to the Creative Process Podcast, a discussion with artists about what goes on behind the scenes when they're creating their work. I'm your host, Dave Hopper. On this episode, I speak with photographic artist and filmmaker Hannah Price. She is primarily interested in documenting relationships, race politics, perception, and misperception. Price is internationally known for her project City of Brotherly Love, a series of photographs of the men who catcalled her on the streets of Philadelphia. Over the past six years, Price's photos have been displayed in several cities across the United States, with a few residing in the permanent collection of the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And she joins us today. Hannah Price, welcome to the Creative Process Podcast. Thanks for having me. So you were recommended from our last episode by Jordan Baumgarten, and he mentioned he met you once before. Do you remember when you met? I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Maybe, maybe, maybe I do. I'm not sure. <laughs> I just can't talk about it. I just, I'm just not sure. Yeah, that's okay. Um, he really likes your work, though, and I'm really glad that you accepted to do this. How did you get to Philadelphia? Because you're not from Philly originally. That's where you are now. Yeah, no. Um, I moved to Philly after undergrad. Um, so I went to RIT, and a friend had a spare room and let me... Um, lived with her until I found a job, so it was perfect. It was almost like, it was better than moving home, so (laughs) (laughs) it was a great opportunity. I'm really thankful for her. Yeah, once you fly the nest, it's tough to go back. Yeah. It's like, you don't really want to go backwards. You just kind of want to find something else, even if it's not opportune at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Where did you go to undergrad? I went to Rochester Institute of Technology. I graduated in 2009. Oh, so you also have time, spent time in upstate New York, where we are, a little bit yeah. east. You didn't like the winters either, did you? Um, no, <laughs> but um, I'm used to the cold. Um, but yeah, the winters were pretty brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get a little more uh, summer feeling down there in South Jersey, Philly area. Yeah. So you went to school after that for photography, I think? Mm-hmm. How was that? So it's a lot of people, there's the whole being self-taught versus going to school for art. And you obviously went to school. So what do you think about that debate? Um, you know, I I think either way is fine. Um, I actually, when people ask me for my advice, I tell them exactly that. I was like, there's certain aspects that you can get out of going to art school and then but like very like you can also teach yourself you know it just depends on how ambitious you are and how much you really want it um and yeah so art school for me um it just like it it, there's a lot I learned about art that I didn't know (laughs) like I'm like (laughs) primarily photography but I would also go to different painting crits and sculpture crits and, and everything else. So just on a broader level, I just learned more about art in general. So, yeah, you had a chance to go see stuff that you wouldn't have seen if you were just teaching yourself, most likely. Yeah. And just being a part of um, discussion. I love school, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love being, like talking like in groups and theorizing and everything like that. So. But then the, yeah. ed- the education doesn't stop there, I guess. Now, once you're done with school, you have a foundation, but you're also still teaching yourself new things. Yeah, yeah, and you find you find your community. <clears throat> so speaking of community, oh, yeah. uh, um, 
you seem you're interested in documenting relationships, race politics, social perception, and misperception. So mm-hmm. how did you find the community once you got to Philly that you're in now? Um, how did I, like, find my own community? Yeah, like, like you went me? to Philly and you were in a new city, and then how did you find the arts community that you're a part of? Me and a few friends made our own community, other photographers, um, Greg Gethart and um, Stephen Alvarez and a few other people. We would just meet once a month and show each other work and talk. Um, And then also just my regular friends in the city, like architects, computer scientists, mechanical engineers. Like, I would also um, show my work and talk to them about it, too. Like, I I was very open with a lot of people. I wanted the photographers, the friends, and just, like, my everyday people. So So you're open to critique, I guess. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> a, lot people, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people have a tough time with it. Yeah. It's something that, like, it can be hard to hear, but you can always it's you can always just take and leave whatever you want. It's all up to you in the end anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I get, try not to get too too personal about it. I think the more you do it, the easier it gets, too. Like, if you start off that way then it's easier to keep doing it rather than holding everything secret and then uh can you look at this <laughs> and then you get an opinion and it's not when you're like oh god i can't even deal with this yeah yeah but then sometimes other people see things that you haven't seen yet and that's really a great moment as well yeah it kind of blows your mind yeah you started off so when did you get to philly what year the summer of 2009. Okay. So the City of Brotherly Love, which is probably your most famous work so far, mm-hmm. was started around that time, correct? Yeah. So how did that start? And how did you get the first person to... Did they agree to the portraits or did you just take them? They agreed. Okay. So why um, don't you um, give us a little background on it and then go into it. Okay. So I was... So Philly was, was the first major city, large city that I ever moved to. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, like, the cat, the manner of catcalling I was very unfamiliar with, and it threw me off guard, and um, I didn't really necessarily know how to deal with it. Then I realized that I could take portraits of the men who catcalled me. So I wouldn't provoke anyone. I, um, I would have to, <laughs> I would um, decide if I felt like talking to someone (laughs) who was sexually interested. So in the morning before my day, I would either take my camera with me or not. Um, So the days that I did take my camera with me, um, I'd just go about my day and then someone would catcall me and I would fill out the situation. And if I was comfortable, I would ask them if I could take the portrait. And if they said no, I respected their decision and did not and if they said yes I tried to make a really good portrait (laughs) (laughs) in an interesting situation yeah yeah and and it was and I mean I always talk to people I photograph so I would start talking to them and we'd start learning about each other's backgrounds and and um just by the end of it they would just you know they would call me a photographer instead of you know 
a nice piece of ass or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it was just, it was, um, and then I realized, like, throughout the process, like, in some instances, they don't mean any harm. It's just an expression. Um, it's, it started to bother me less. It's an expression, but then without the conversation, it's still seen, I guess, the same as every other kind of cat call, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. And actually today I still get frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't I don't um take their picture anymore, but like mm-hmm. um sometimes you can feel it when it's gonna happen and you sometimes you just like wish people just wouldn't look at you. <laughs> 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 you know. But yeah. like Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to change yourself to stop avoid like dress differently or anything because you want to be yourself. But then it's also you want to avoid that uncomfortable situation. Yeah, and some some adults you can't change either. You know, like yeah. even if if I approached every single person and tried to change them, I don't know how successful I would be, and it would be very it would be very difficult. So how did they feel about? getting the lens turned on them, sort of, when you were taking their picture, or the eyes turned on them instead? Um, I think they enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I think those who said no, I think um, they knew like exactly what I was doing and were uncomfortable with it, which mm-hmm. is why they said no. But those who said yes, maybe they had an idea, maybe, maybe not, but um, they definitely, like, I think giving them the attention back, they kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, I can see that. If they're hollering at someone, they're already sort of giving themselves attention and putting it on the other person as well. So I guess it really wouldn't bother them to have more attention. Yeah. So the ones that yeah. gave you their name, that was surprising. Because you have the names or untitled next to the pictures on your site. <laughs> I expected them all to be untitled, I guess. Yeah. Um, a, few, a few guys I would see on my routine, like, on my um, commute to work, mm-hmm. like, every day. So a few of them I would become friends with, <laughs> <laughs> you know, after I got the portrait that I wanted. And there's this one guy, Hassan, he was an emerging rap artist, so he, I helped him with a few photographs for his album that he wanted to make. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I ended up becoming <laughs> friends with the few, not all of them, but maybe... Yeah. Uh, a few, and then even um, a few years would pass by, and I would run into one of the guys again, and they would say hi and ask how everything was going. Um, but most of the time, I would um, give the guys my website, and they either went on my website or not. Mm-hmm. And I um, and actually, I don't have it on my website, but I have an email from one of the guys that's <laughs> pretty funny. So. <laughs> What did it say? Um, it it just said hi, something like hi, beautiful. Thanks for taking my picture. You have a fine ass booty. Let me know if you want to hook up sometime. <laughs> so like even after like <laughs> seeing the images, <laughs> yeah. he still tried to reach out to me. <laughs> well, I guess yeah, you're right. You can't change everybody, right? No, you can't. <laughs> That's funny. This is a little late in the interview, but I'm going to go to my... Uh, usually my first question. <laughs> Where does your creative process start? Well, I'm primarily a documentarian, so, like, I guess with just people and um, 
what I see in them and how they make me feel. And um, just like everyday life in politics, mm-hmm. <laughs> like race politics, like um, growing up since I've been born, my family has, my family or myself have experienced some sort of racial experience. And um, so that's primarily the second project that I made. That's more about race. And then, um, so yeah, I usually, my creative process just comes from my life or my life, my family's life, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I just, yeah, I get, I get heated over controversial <laughs> situations, <laughs> I guess. Interesting time to be working, I would assume. Yeah, definitely. So how do you decide on a, if a project should be a film or just a photography project? Do you get an idea or do you just see something and start working in either medium or what? Um, I get an idea. And then you just um, sort of fade it into one or the other? Yeah, yeah, I decide. Um, I just, I think about how, what, what's the best way to present the idea. Um, and it's, like, if, if it needs multiple elements like sound and movement, then I'll, I'll go to video. And then if not, um, I'll just stick with photography. So when did you start with video? Um, I started video in graduate school. I'm self-taught in video, so I started experimenting with that and made a made a few videos in a short experimental documentary. Was that something you always wanted to get into, or did you just sort of fall into it? Yeah, I was always interested in it. Um, it just took me a while to really get a grasp on it. So when you say you, you like the real world instead of... Um, we've had other photographers on here who, you know, Photoshop their stuff and make it a totally different, like, fairy world. So you like the real world. What do you see in the real world that makes you want to go out there and create? Um, I guess it's just um, emotion and just, like, a, a genuine feeling, I guess. Um, yeah, there's just some something about, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just prefer I've always preferred strangers and I've always preferred documentary so it's just something that I I'm always paying attention to so you kind of like being a fly on the wall somewhere yeah 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 that in um your short film blueprint you were kind of a fly on the wall in this meeting of people do you want to tell us a little bit about that video yeah, so um, Doug Bethea, he's a community activist in New Haven, um, and I asked him if I could follow him around and make a film, um, and he primarily was trying to stop gun violence in New Haven, um, but he wouldn't let me follow him around <laughs> <laughs> during that aspect of his community activism, but... um. So it was kind of, I found it very difficult to follow him around, and I didn't get as much footage as I would like, but I had this meeting, um, and the meeting um, is Doug bringing people from the city and young men from the neighborhood, from the community, who are not in the system, and then young men who are in the system or who have a history in the system and who can't find jobs because by that fact that they have a past in the system. So it's, he um, he brings boys 
to be an influence on the boys who haven't been in the system yet and also to try and give them an opportunity to get jobs and to give them a stipend to get back on their feet to live sustainable lives. Um, so um, he gives them a voice in the meeting and then also gives them the opportunity of the stipend. Um, so that's what the yeah that's what the meeting is. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how the, I'm not sure the other guy's name, but he talks about having a mindset. Like, just having a job won't get you out of where you are. You have to change your mindset, too. I thought that was a good message. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You'd like to tell stories. So how do you tell a story with video? Like, what are you looking for, and how how much video do you have to take to get that story? Is it Do you feel it when it's done, or do you find it in the editing afterwards? Um, in the editing, I always um, let people just be themselves. I, mm-hmm. I try not to influence them in any sort of way. I mean, of course, they're going to respond to my presence mm-hmm. in, in a certain way, but um, I try and get as much footage as I can, and then in the editing process, try and make it make sense. That's why Blueprint is so fragmented <laughs> and <laughs> has these three... Um, three parts to it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it was the only way that I could really make it. Kind of, I also wanted to make it kind of interesting, like um, not entertaining necessarily, but like not like your typical documentary. Um, so yeah, I usually just let, just try and get everything out of the subject that I can, and then and and just edit it in a way where it, it tells a good story. So you want it to be a documentary, but you want a kind of like a narrative, I guess, feel to it. Yeah, yeah. I guess what I mean by documentary is like every decision is made by the person in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. And I'm just fly on the wall, I guess. Yeah, there's no script or anything. You're not telling them what to do. But then you want it sort of to have like a, a different feel rather than just putting the camera on someone and letting them go. Yeah. So how long does it take to edit <laughs> all this video? Yeah, it takes a really long time. <laughs> um, especially the longer the video is, the longer it'll take because um, it's just you have to, like, once you make one edit, you know, you, like, depending on what type of edit you're making, you may have to, I guess when you're like finishing the film, Mm -hmm. like I watched it all the way through so many times (laughs) and then it's like a half hour long. So like, um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's repetitious and, um, yeah, it it takes a really long time. (laughs) (laughs) Do you sit there and make notes while you're watching it? Yeah, definitely. And you're like, oh, God, I have to cut this. And <laughs> yeah, and then, like, if my sound isn't good and I have subtitles, you know, I have to try and get every not... word in. Yeah. I find when I'm editing, like, a batch of photos or something, at first I'll like a bunch of them. And then as I start editing some out, it doesn't make sense anymore in my head. Like, this is just a disjointed couple of photos. It doesn't make sense. And then you're mm-hmm. like you're adding one back in, you're taking one out, you're like, and then you just quit for a while. And you have to come back to it. <laughs> it's always a frustrating yeah. process editing. Yeah. 
do you, how do you edit for uh, like a photography project? Do you show it to people and with video too? Do you show them to people in their edited state and get critique, or do you majorly make a final cut before you show it to someone? Yeah, with the video, I usually make a final cut and then show it to someone. Um, with photography, I show them all all the pictures. <laughs> um, I wouldn't. I would say I'm a better editor in video than photography. Um, yeah, usually I need other people to help me edit down. Um, but you, with photography, I always I always go for like the best image. Just and I, you know, like and then. I need other people to help me decide <laughs> if that's a good decision. <laughs> Does that yeah. come from just like showing your work with photography from the beginning, do you think? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I like asking artists about this. You have an artist statement on one project on your website. Uh, like people are always, should I have an artist statement? Should I not? Do I want just the work sell itself? So how did you decide to put one up? Um, I felt like Cursed by Night, it just it needed an artist statement um, because it's the most conceptual out of all the work that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I felt like it definitely needs an artist statement, especially for those who don't know me and what the work is about. So, And I actually, I, I was actually thinking of putting another artist statement up for everything else too (laughs) i just haven't done it yet um i don't think you really need to for the videos um because they over time by the end you kind of get an idea of what i was trying to do um so yeah i think i'll I'll probably put artist statements up for the other photographs do you find them hard to write or they come pretty much (laughs) they're so hard for me (laughs) (laughs) if we could write we would write instead we take pictures that's why (laughs) yeah yeah my mom has edited so many, so many <laughs> things for me. <laughs> so here, mom, here's another one. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you working on currently? Do you have any projects um, you're working on? Yeah, I'm working on another video. It's um, so I'm in more strangers on the street. I'm interviewing strangers, and I'm putting myself in the video as well. So I am, um, and I don't want to focused necessarily on black race or white race mm-hmm. um but like i want to find a diverse group of people and i do want to travel around america um so i imagine this is going to take me a, a few years so i'm stopping strangers asking if i can interview them also if i can film them and what how i found them mm-hmm. and then interview them um and then I ask them questions of what generalized words mean. <laughs> so, like, um, like, what does it mean to be happy or whatever, you know, or just like, and then I have a really long list of, of words that I ask. I don't ask them, I try to ask them every, every word, mm-hmm. um, but it depends on the situation and their time that they can give me so mm-hmm. long. Yeah, so right now it's just a, a non-aesthetic video of me just asking people questions, <laughs> but um, I'm hoping to make like to do a lot more and find a way to make it interesting, or if it changes in some way, then I'll, I'll let it change. But yeah, so that's what I'm working on. And that is an issue with 
um, working on something for a long time is you may start one place and end up somewhere completely different. Yeah, yeah. And then it's back to the editing again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's one point where I, like, turned on the sound, I get my sound, and then I drop my mic, (laughs) and I accidentally turn off the sound. And then in the middle of the interview, I noticed that my sound was off, and it's just, like, a mess. (laughs) And then, so, yeah, I, like, I think about, like, asking people to help me, but I'd rather work alone. Yeah, we empathize that here in radio, that's for sure. Well, that's great. I'm looking forward to that. Definitely an interesting time to be doing that with the diverse state of our nation right now. Yeah. So another question. This is the first time I've asked this on this podcast, but I like it. Um, are you proud of the work you've created so far? Um. Yeah, I would say, yeah. I, yeah, I feel good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess so what I'm mostly not proud of is how long it's taking me to make another project or to come up with another project so like I wish I wish I was a fast producer but I um for some reason right now I'm not <laughs> it's just taking me a long time and how do you sort of because a lot of people talk about having momentum posting like on Instagram or something how do you find the momentum to keep going when it's sort of taking a little bit just like if I don't do anything in the weekend like that's my momentum (laughs) just like I'll beat myself up and be like you did not do anything so you need to start doing more so it's more of that um yeah yeah gotta get up and get out and do it (laughs) yeah and I can I can be kind of lazy sometimes so usually that's what that's my momentum Okay, my last question will be, who do you think I should speak to next? Do you have any artists whose creative process you want to hear about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, a few friends of mine. Um, Eric Ruby, he's in San Francisco. Um, I love San Francisco. Yeah, and Keith Yarling, he's a Philadelphia photographer. Um, and then Anna Case Hoffmeister, she's in New Haven right now. She went to graduate school with me. Cool. Well, thank you for the recommendations. Yeah, no problem. And thank you for speaking with me. I had a great time. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had a great time, too, and I'm glad Jordan recommended me. Me as well. We'll look forward to that work, and uh, thanks for talking to us. Yep, thank you. That was photographer and filmmaker Hannah Price. Find her work at hannahprice.com. Thank you for listening to the Creative Process Podcast. I'm Dave Hopper. This has been a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. The music is Big Screen by Silent Partner. Mm-hmm.